Two things I remember in my childhood growing up with every single Sunday, whether it was Easter Sunday or any ordinary Sunday out of the year, was my father coming in to wake us up bright and early in the morning and saying uh, both uh, this uh, expression that was shared by Father Killian last night, he said, he shouted out, he is risen, and as it as, uh, goes in the Eastern tradition, the appropriate response is, he is risen indeed. And he would always come in and he'd say that, and that would usually be followed up with, um, this is the day the Lord has made, and he would expect us to respond, let us rejoice and be glad in it. And if we didn't respond, he'd either whack us or he'd keep saying, saying it until we did say it. So, and uh, it's, by the time we were able to say it, there was no way of going back to sleep. So that was it. I mean, my mother always woke us up dur- uh, during the week, but uh, that was, he took pleasure in doing that every single Sunday. And, and it, just hearing that so beautifully sung you know, uh, brings back, you know, the many dawns, the memory to the many dawns of the many Easter's that have come before us and gives, you know, uh, hopeful and joyful excitement at the many renewed days of faith we will have ahead of us, God willing. And that's something we need to always take into account whenever we breach this dawn, so to speak, whenever, we, whenever this sun, particular sun rises, and, and we certainly have been blessed with a very beautiful sun today. But keep in mind that the journey is going to just going to keep growing. It's going to keep uh, on proceeding. It's going to keep growing, as is described by the first encounter with the resurrection you know, you know, incident. That's when Mary, Ma- Mary Magdalene comes to the tomb. She sees the stone rolled away. But when does she come? When does she come? The scriptures, I mean, don't precisely agree. However, the generic time is, I mean, for the most part, is agreed upon. Some say very early in the morning. Some say uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, but as the church fathers say, you know, it, the timing is close enough in that it was extremely early, meaning that the, the sun was probably just barely, barely showing its, its uh, first glow before, before the dawn. You know, it's, it's interesting how when we, when we listen to the scriptures, you know, during the time of, you know, um, of Holy Thursday and Good Friday, we recall the moments where Jesus says to his followers, keep vigil, keep watch. And they have a hard time staying awake. But now, the time where, where the greatest gift that has ever, ever, ever could be expected, or unexpected for that matter, you know, we come face to face with it. Now we have disciples that are keeping vigil. Those who, who cannot wait to get to our Lord. Even in what they believe is just um, a... a a state that is uh, no longer living. You know, they couldn't, according to the scriptures, they could not. They could not do the burial custom, the day of his death, because da- uh, darkness was coming. And whenever, for, for in Jewish tradition, whenever darkness comes, that's the beginning of the next day. Which is why, you know, the Sabbath, you know, the celebration of the Sabbath always begins when the sun goes down on Friday, and on Saturday they couldn't. They couldn't go. Um, they couldn't go to uh, the tomb because, for the burial custom because um, 
because it, it was the Sabbath, and they had to reserve, um, observe that. But they were allowed to go as early as the darkness before the next dawn. And you see that, in, uh, at least amongst some, some of the disciples, particularly the women, like they cannot wait any longer. They must go to our Lord. Though they believe he is dead, they must go to him. A faith. Not a perfect faith. One that anticipates, or hope, uh, longs for renewal. One that longs for what would come at, at Easter, but still without understanding. The significance of the darkness tells us that it resembles what happens in the hearts of disciples. We have a longing faith, but it rests in a darkness. It, it yet has yet to en- encounter the understanding that it longs for. That's where our, a lot of our hearts often rest in the journey of faith. There is some. There is that longing. There is that yearning. But it waits. It waits to be fed with the nourishment of the faith. And we turn to turn to these moments, you know, though the, when we look to uh, this uh, splendid, splendid uh, character, the disciple whom Jesus loved, the nameless character. You know, it's often believed that St. John you know, spoke of himself in this manner to, to try to be somewhat humble in the way he was writing, so as not to always name himself. Um, but it's believed by some that, uh, amongst many, a scholar, that St. John included that character, whether it was him or not, St. John includes that character, the disciple whom Jesus loved, so that anyone who reads the scriptures can put themselves within the midst of the story. That is the hope of the evangelist. Anyone who reads these magnificent, these magnificent stories places themselves in, the, in, themselves in the midst of the mystery and partakes in it. What is it that we see? They're shocked. They come to the tomb. It is empty. And not only empty, but the, the wrappings, the linens, are removed and piled in a corner. Rather unlikely that a thief would have unwrapped the body. Rather, you know, a frivolous detail. I mean, it was not needed. Anyone would have stolen the body, they would have just taken it as is. Furthermore, as St. John Chrysostom says, you know, the, the myrrh that was used for, Christian, or excuse me, for, for Jewish burial, it would, when they added the myrrh to the linens that wrapped the body, it would have caused the linens to stick to the body and so hard that like, it, would, it would have been more difficult to uh, strip... Uh, two pieces of metal apart from one another that were bound by lead. It's like that's, that's how hard it was. Like it's like the toughest, it's tougher than gorilla glue of sorts. So the sign, I mean, given, given that, uh, you know, the theft of the body is kind of out of, is out of question, they can only leave one 
one, uh, there's only one other possibility, that he has risen. He is no longer here. He is not amongst the dead, but he is alive. The signs are there, but they await the appearance. They await the, the coming of understanding. I know it's been said time and again, but we've had a very difficult year. Times in which both our patience, our wits, and even our faith have been tested. And we, like the disciples, you could say, in a certain measure, while we have a measure of faith, a longing, we, like them, anticipate the face of Christ to appear before us. That is the joy that Easter should leave us. It's the joy that should keep driving our paces. As we go out and enjoy this beautiful day, let's keep in mind that that satisfaction will come. That nourishment that our eyes, like the eyes and the ears of the the disciples, long to encounter the Lord once again. Just like them, we too will be satisfied. And he will bring it about. Let us ask our Blessed Mother to pray for us and console us in this continued time. And give praise to our Savior and spread the joy of this day. Thanks be to God.